0: this balance that you're playing of your it's multitasking just in your brain though so you are a crazy person on the inside but you're trying to make sure the person you're talking to especially in a face-to-face interview that they know that you're listening but in your head you're like thinking okay I can go this way I can go this way I'm listening to this it's multitasking full throttle
1: What's up everybody, I'm Blake Fletcher and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. I hope you all enjoyed the start of the Half Hour Intern Awards on Thursday. Um, Just so you know, I'm actually leaving the voting open for favorite episode up until next week. So if you have not gotten your votes in for the other categories, definitely go on the website. Click on the the little banner there that says 2016 Half Hour Intern Award Voting. And you can still vote for your favorite episode from the entire year. I'd love to hear from as many of you as possible before we announce who wins that award next week. Um, This week, we'll have some more cool awards for you. Anyways, on to today's episode. Today, I interview Angela Lauren, who is a sports reporter. And Angela is really the perfect person to talk to about this because she's had many different jobs and roles in sports reporting. She's worked for a small local news organization. She's worked nationally with the MLB doing a national show for them. And now she has chosen to go freelance and just basically work for herself and gets contracted to do all these individual jobs for individual people. Or sometimes she will even make her own story ahead of time and then try to sell it to people. And she explains why she does this and why she is freelance now and why she likes it and kind of the pros and cons of it. And we'll just talk a lot about sports reporting in general and kind of how interesting it is. And don't worry, I totally ask, like, why does it seem like sideline reporters always ask the most basic freaking questions in the world? Like, you can't come up with a better question than that to ask the person like it seems like the same damn questions always get asked so we talk about that and she explains why that is and everything and uh yeah without further ado here is sports reporter angela thanks much for being on the show
0: Thanks, Blake. It's great to be on it. I'm excited to talk.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so you are now a freelance sports reporter, which I want to spend the bulk of this interview talking about. But before we talk about your role in freelance and all the different interesting things that you do as a freelance reporter, talk about the other jobs that you've had along the way to becoming a freelance sports reporter um, and kind of how those differ. And I guess what these different roles are in the sports world and how and why it is that you landed to do freelance?
0: Yeah, um, not to date myself. I uh, kind of just, well, I literally went to school for broadcasting. And I knew from a very young age, I was like, I'm going to be a broadcaster, I'm going to be a reporter. And in 2009, <laughs> I said I was going to not date myself. 2009, I graduated from college and I got my first job as a sports intern i in- can't
1: believe that that's what it I, so you're like still in your 20s and you're talking about dating yourself do you know how rude that is to people like me
0: <laughs> hey this is a this in this industry age is definitely a factor when you realize that uh, some people are a lot younger than you and you just want to make sure you keep your age under, yeah, under wrap. I
1: bet. wow good point all right i'm sorry carry on
0: <laughs> no but um I started out in local news and I actually wasn't, my main focus wasn't sports. I, like I said, I knew from a young age that I wanted to be a reporter and it came from just being a super nosy kid and telling my mom that Halloween was my favorite holiday. She's like, of course, you're a kid. You want to go get candy. I was like, no, no, no. I want to knock on my neighbor's doors so I can see inside their houses (laughs) because I'm that nosy so you were like yeah, a, a okay. creepy
1: little voyeur child
0: <laughs> exactly hey but i used it for good as i got older um it just kind of made my curiosity just change into wanting to tell people story stories and that was through reporting um i got my first job at a cbs affiliate in oregon and there i was anchoring local news um and then reporting for the station as well um, when you cover local news or you cover any kind of news story, it's going to be um, not always the happiest stories you have, your features, but you also have like a lot of um, sad things you're talking about, or robberies, or um, talking politics, or since I was in Oregon, we had um, that tsunami that hit the coast. You were talking about the devastation there. Mm-hmm. So to me, it, it, it was great. It was really, um, I learned a ton, um, but I wasn't getting that joy that I thought I would get as that nosy kid. Um, and I realized I wanted to take a sports turn. And I grew up with all brothers, and uh, sports has always been a part of my life. I played sports. And I uh, was really lucky to be in Oregon at a station that had that covered the ducks, the Oregon ducks, and then Oregon State Beavers. And, and they had a lot of great local sports too. So I was able to make that transition into um, the reporting side and anchoring-wise. So that was kind of like my First step into sports reporting. And I was there during when the ducks were really good and they had Chip Kelly and it was a really exciting time. And I was hooked. And I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. These are the stories I'm supposed to tell. And you can add a little bit more, um, just a little in local news, a little more um, personality too.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's interesting hearing you tell that story. It reminds me quite a bit of my own personal experience, like with getting the job out of college that I, I thought I wanted so much. in it it just evolving into this thing that i did not like and it it's uh it's a weird frustrating thing it, it's interesting it reminds me of um like is you I, I feel like around the age of like 18 you start to have these experiences where you realize that your parents like aren't uh infallible or something like they'll say something yeah. you're like i just don't think that's right you know or like you'll or you'll <laughs> see your parents do something bad or like whatever it is and it's like there, there's these experiences you have in your life where like you are forced to kind of like kill your idols or 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 become face to face with the fact that like it's just not the way that you thought it thought it was you know like it's not just this perfect glowing version of this thing and um it's an interesting thing when you think that you really really know what you want to do for a living and you have this kind of perfect glowing vision of it and then you come face to face with what it actually is and you have to make this decision of of well, well how do i move forward from here
0: right and i definitely i commend anyone that is still like doing local news and telling those stories I just it just wasn't for me it just it was a little too um too hard on the soul I I always say like my breaking point was um in Oregon there were a lot of dunes and a lot of people were riding ATVs and there was a lot of crashes and um a lot of car accidents too going through that area towards the beach and when I had to force a mother that just lost her kid in a car accident in that area to talk to me who was devastated and I just I had a job to do and I had to come back with an interview I just kind of was like that's enough I can't I, I can't do that anymore I it it pained me to see her hurting but then I had this moral type of balance of okay but I have to do my job but then I'm also a person with feelings too but I can't let her it was it was very yeah
1: right you, hard, you have the right. double moral balance of like, but why is this the news that we're reporting on? And why is my company right. forcing me to interview this woman right now? Right. Like what the exactly. hell's going on exactly? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. And so, like I said, anyone that's still into that, into, in that profession and been doing it for 20 years, I, I'm just, I always kind of admire them and how they're able to stay so level-headed. But like I said, I, it, in, I interned right after, well, kind of like at the last part of my, um, college career at a, CBS in san francisco and i was doing sports for them and then i just remember that feeling of a sports internship and how that could be a career and so that's when i made that transition
1: yeah that's cool so all right so let's talk about the journey from that kind of first real sports job uh to you being freelance right now then so that was more like local sports reporting, um, yeah. like reporting on the ducks and stuff like that. Uh, first of all, like what do you do when you are reporting like that? Like, does the, uh, does the local news station give you a list of assignments of like, hey, you need to go to this game. You need to go to this place. You need to talk to these people.
0: Yeah. Yes. And no, um, just the whole local news aspect. You have, um, you have stories in the area that you're reading. though are going to be really important. Like for Oregon, the, obviously the they had two great teams they had um the Oregon state and they also had they had the beavers and the ducks and the ducks were so great during that time so if they're having a game locally we are covering it we are there we are on the field you um want to talk to chip kelly you want to get those interviews because that is such a main focus and that's the 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 thrive of that city in um Eugene Oregon um uh, but even all up and down the coast and even when it comes to um, local sports too. Um uh in Coos Bay, Oregon, that's where another one of part of the station was, they had um, it's really known for like their runners and they have really great schools. So you kind of just listen to the this sounds so cheesy to say, but like the heartbeat of the city, you get a feel of like what's important to the locals. And then you also know what players are doing a really good job during that season and you want to make sure you get that sound bite. Or during the game as you're watching, whoever had however like the best game or if like you know that that's the interview you want to get at the end and you do my favorite part they call it it's a 50 yard sprint from like the sideline right when the game's over because you need to make sure you grab that player before another station does or if they go into the locker room or if you want to get the coach um and then also it depends if it's being broadcasted especially for, for college football um you have like either college game day they have um they have the rights to certain players first because if it's airing on ESPN, obviously the local news. I'm not gonna be pushing out Aaron Andrews at the time to like get that interview have okay. it set up that they will be the ones broadcasting the main interview. And then you just kind of gotta wait your turn. And that's it's kind of like a little bit of a hierarchy when you come to network to local news. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, so that's it's interesting that you bring that up. That's something that I've always kind of wondered about. I, I I've always assumed that that you kind of have the rights, it, like, and it's pre negotiated that you are able to talk to these people. Are you saying, oh, you got to try to get an interview with Chip Kelly? I've always <laughs> thought, like, well, doesn't Chip Kelly know that you're supposed to talk to him? And if Chip Kelly does not have to talk to you, Then why the hell is he talking to you? (laughs) Like, is he just gonna, like, walk away? Like, I could see how you could get, like, a player on a college team who's, like, super stoked to talk to you, because he's like, oh my God, you want to talk to me? This is great. But if you're Chip Kelly, it's like, look, everyone wants to talk to me all the time. Like, I gotta get out of here. And, and, like you said, I guess the national people do have these rights, which makes sense. Like, obviously, ESPN or, or any sort of, like, NBC, any sort of national thing is gonna have the right, like, that player has to stop to talk to ESPN. But, uh, it, like w- when you're the local news people, no does nobody have to talk to you?
0: Not really, but it's all about the relationships that you you build, and that's why it's so huge that if anybody that wants to become a reporter, especially not even just sports, but just a reporter in general, it's the relationships that you build with these people because then you're they're not just doing you a favor. They feel like they know you're doing a job, but they also feel like you're you respect each other. And so when you, you see these players, um, and it's like Marshall Lynch, he hates being interviewed. He hates in press conferences, like to respond to any kind of reporter question, but it's all about getting that relationship built and then they will want to talk to you. They'll feel more comfortable. And that's kind of where you're in your sweet spot of getting like an exclusive interview or getting them to say something a lot more comfortable to you than they would just any reporter bugging them.
1: Is so there? So you were a younger person trying to do this in that area. Is there any uh trick to that, I guess I would say? Or is it is it is so much of it um just based on how long you have had that jurisdiction for, like how long you've had that particular job for?
0: It's a little bit of both because the um the CBS there in Oregon had a great relationship with the University of Oregon, has a great relation still does, has a great relationship with Oregon State, and that's the people that have been there before me, the people that were there during the time I was there, and then the people after. It's just something that they they know it's a credible station, so it's going to be a little bit of what they've done, and then also if I'm if I go and I have my first interview with say Chip Kelly, and I just ask ask a really stupid question, or just seems like I don't know what I'm talking about, or I even ask something that maybe ruffles his feathers, I'm like "Mm, I really don't care to talk to that reporter again. Okay. So, it's a little bit of both.
1: So, let's talk about that right now because I, like, I assume most normal people, like, cannot stand it when I'm watching. Uh, on the field sports reporting. It, it's like, it's unbelievable the questions that are asked on a basketball court or that are asked on a football field or whatever it is. And, and, and so it's funny that you say, like, oh, if you ask a dumb question, then the person's not gonna wanna talk to you. Like, when I see, and, and I would also love to talk about some of the more like prickly types of people like Marshawn Lynch or like a Greg Popovich, who's like super yeah. infamous for the way that he conducts himself with uh, reporters. But when I'm watching, uh, the Golden State Warriors, my team, and the, uh, like sideline reporter is talking to Steve Kerr, and they're like, wow, like, you know, you guys played great defense there in the first half. How do you get your guys to play good defense in the second half? And it's like, what are you even talking about, right? And that's like, you know, that's like a totally normal question that would get asked like every game out of every game, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's like, um, well, you know, like I'm just gonna tell them to keep it up, you know. Or it's like, okay, well, if, if it's like, oh, well, you know, you guys didn't play very good defense in the first half. How are you gonna play defense in the second? Well, you know, we gotta tell those guys that they need to turn it around. And it's like, wow, <laughs> thanks, man. You know. And it's like, how is it that that guy every time that I guess like every coach doesn't become Greg Popovich? And And they just like roll their eyes at that question and they're just like why are you asking me that and furthermore why are you guys asking questions like that (laughs) like are you not allowed to ask something awesome is it like in almost like the contract that you need to say something that's so kind of vanilla because you don't want to catch the coach off guard or the player off guard or make them think more than they have to or something
0: no, no, I agree with you listening to some of those questions I'm like really that that that's what you that's what you asked. It, it's definitely not in a contract. It's definitely not. You have in the back of your mind, especially when you're it's alive, like say, like you just talked about, like for a, a basketball game, that's a live interview that they've done maybe like during a um, during a break and then they'll air it during the actual game. But they, you have in the back of your head. Okay, this is going to be technically live. I got to make sure that because Greg Popovich will call you out, and he definitely even did it to like one of his the person he's only given a really good interview to was definitely Craig Seager. Uh, Craig Sager, and he still calls him out. He says that that's that's what you just asked me. Well, we need to do better. Like he, you definitely have to make sure it's not really not vanilla, but it's kind of hard to answer because i still like it. i'm baffled by that too you definitely for when it comes to that like a silent reporting like that you want to maybe make sure you sound credible and like throw some stats in there like you say like your shooting percentage was this and how are you going to get it to this or who th- your steph curry is shooting at this rate? where does he need to move the ball to get to a little bit to sound a little more credible and especially a little more interesting right um i feel as a female sports reporter that definitely which is so sad to say but it's very true. It makes you sound a little more credible to make sure you use stats and numbers in a question. Right. Um, Because as a female reporter, if I tell anyone, Oh yeah, I'm a a sports reporter. they're like, I'll instantly get drilled with questions about this team and this stat and this. And, And you would never do that to a guy that says, Oh yeah, I'm a sports reporter. Like, Oh cool man. What teams do you cover? And for women it's like, Oh, okay. Well, who, what is, uh, Mike Trout's batting average and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, seriously yeah totally (laughs) that's
1: so funny yeah that's a really really good point
0: yeah so that runs through at least my head when i'm asking a question too i want to make sure i sound credible but then i also want to make sure it's interesting i want to make sure it's not what you just said the vanilla like you didn't play very good in the first half what do you need to change in the second half it's like we need we need to play better so so this, I, you are like this.
1: blowing my mind right now, Angela. So you mean to tell me that these people actually have autonomy? Like when the, when the person <laughs> says that, they chose to say that. Like it went through yeah. their head. Like this is going to be such an awesome question that I'm going to ask right now. And then that's what they say.
0: I, I won't say, I won't say they, they thought it was an awesome question. And I feel like go, going into it, because a lot of these people are very seasoned. They've been in their position or they've worked up to be in that position. They were probably in some same position for a smaller team. But I don't know. I know they know it's not an awesome question, but I also know that they want to play it safe because it's live, because they want to make sure they get, they, they want to make sure that they get some kind of answer that sounds, I don't know, like how they're going to play better in the second half. My first, first interview ever, I was covering a, a Raiders game, an Oakland Raiders game. And I went into the locker room, and this is still when Brett Favre, telling you, dating myself, still when Brett Favre was playing and he was playing for the Jets at the time. And he was walking in the locker room. First of all, he should have stopped playing a long time before he even left Green Bay. Yeah, that was, was a really bad season. <laughs> really bad. He was wobbling. He looked like an old man. I feel so bad as is because I like him as a as an athlete, or as a player, former player. But he's walking through the locker room looking like an old man, like really slow walking just creeping by and everyone is kind of like waiting to talk to him and waiting till he gets dressed or whatever in his perfect position to ask him questions. And I just kind of like went for it. I was like, whatever. Like if you know what, everyone's kind of like waiting and respect. I'm like, I just, I, I gotta get this interview. I gotta do it. And then just ask the question and he answered and then everyone dived in or anyone. It's like such a compliment in a sports reporters world where you ask a question and then everyone throws their mics in. Yeah. Because that means you asked a great question and yeah. then everyone uses that soundbite and you're like you watch it on an NBC an ESPN or whatever and you're like that was my question. They they used the him answering my question. And obviously you can't see the reporter that asked it, but you know inside you're like yep, yeah, yeah, that was me. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. All right, so let's bridge this into right now you working freelance because I would this is one of the things that I kind of wanted to know is yeah. in freelance um do you always get hired for a job beforehand? Like, are you always trying to find different jobs and get hired for a job beforehand? Or do you ever somehow just, do you uh, like have a permanent press pass now where like people recognize you in certain places and you go out and you ask a question or you ask some questions and you record them, and maybe you write an article about that or the recording is so good and the question was so good. It's like you, you try to sell it after the fact. Or is sports like such an immediate thing that you can't sell something after the fact? It's like you had to have already been hired for something prior.
0: Um. Yes and no to a little bit of that. So freelance is something new. After I left, um, after I left New York working for Major League Baseball, I moved back to Los Angeles to kind of conquer some personal stuff I was able to get married and kind of start a family not babies but like start a a life with my husband I mean now
1: you're aging yourself
0: (laughs) totally right no but I um but it was a very conscious um decision to stop bouncing around as much and to be able to stay a little more grounded have a little more um normalcy I guess It was to be able to become freelance and just kind of make sure I wasn't bouncing around for another job living in another state. Um, So it's definitely new territory for me, but I got to give credibility. I got to give credit to people that are freelancing. It is a hustle. You have to make sure it's all about networking. It's the whole game is about networking, but it's all about networking and making sure you're like, I'll tell you running like kind of how I start my day, start your day. I always go and I read all of my, um go to the sites that I really like to read news and kind of see what's going on, what's kind of trending. And then you go and you see um, what, who, if anyone, if anything has changed, if anyone's looking for a sports host for this or whatever it may be. And then you kind of just like start reaching out. Like, okay, would you, where would you see that at? Um, you see it on different sites. It depends like here in Los Angeles, gosh, it's such a it's such a different beast. There's um even on like casting l a and they you think it's like actors, but no, it's not just for actors now there's this whole thing called sports Host, and they're looking for people to stand up in front of a camera and kind of just go through the trending stories of the day and uh um,
1: but you don't know what it's for like what What would that be for like yahoo.com or something well no they have like their um, own people even like who would something like they have that their be own for
0: people too it, they have their own people too but it's also there's so many so report, reporting world has gone so digital and so online that there's a ton of um different sh- video shows. so there's this thing called like the com. there's so many different um online news aspects that they um, are news, I guess you can say stations that are looking for people to kind of read those kind quick trending stories. So sometimes it says who it's for and sometimes it doesn't. There's also relationships that you create throughout the industry where you know exactly who to talk to at Yahoo Sports and say, hey, I have this lead on this story. I'm going to write this up and send it on over or they will say something maybe back to you. Um, we want we're, we're looking for somebody to cover this. And then it's kind of like that relationship thing. So there's a lot of writing. There's a lot of um, kind of finding your own own stories. I was able to um, go and cover this past year, like the ESPYS. So the ESPYS were um, in the summertime over here. And during that process, I also found another story about this. Um, this is so random, but about a, a baseball tee. And this, these guys were. It was kind of a it's called a gifting suite. And during the award show weeks, they have like these suites where they have the athletes come through and they try out like a new protein bar or cryotherapy. And one of the things that um, was there was this baseball tee. And it was a baseball tee that kind of... So you know how baseball tee, traditional one comes up straight from the ground, ball goes on top, you hit it really easy.
1: Oh, you mean like for a t-ball? I think you meant like a t-shirt you're saying for like well, okay, kids. Okay, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, T- yeah, t-ball. Yeah, yeah so yeah, baseball yeah. Like a stand, tea stand, uh, tea stand. I guess that's how you would say it. Um, but this one came over the top and it kind of almost looked like a really old school lamp. And they're like, this is a, a baseball tee, like where you'd hit balls off of. I'm like, really? And uh, let, uh, let me, and I used to play softball. So I also kind of just wanted to swing the bat. I was like, show me how it works. Long story short, I started talking to these guys, come to find out that they have this baseball in, um, like 22 clubs. There's 30 baseball clubs in 22 of the clubs. I'm like, that's really good because I know major league baseball from working for them, how conservative they are and how they, um, they, it's not really easy to get things in every club with major league baseball. And I was talking to these guys and they were telling me all these big names that have been using it and, um, some big players with some big bats. I was like, this is such a good story. So, then I interview them. I went and shot a whole thing with them, and then I go and I pitch it to MLB Network. I go pitch it to Fox Sports, and so it's a lot of like finding your own stories. And then wait, it's so also- you even
1: film something then?
0: Oh yeah! Like now, as a reporter, as a sports reporter, you have to know how to shoot, edit, write. You have to do it all.
1: No way! How, like <laughs> how? I mean, you can't film yourself. Like how? How do you do that?
0: Well, a little bit of both. So. When you, when people get into, well, I can't say that when people get, it's totally changed how now you can start a career in sports reporting, but in local news, kind of like that first job in a smaller market, you do a thing called one man banding and you learn how to carry a 50 pound tripod, a heavy camera, and you run to the story, you set it up, you set up the camera and you interview, and then you come back, you edit it yourself, and then you like anchor it or report um, live on the news so it's kind of like a media boot camp for a couple of years wow and after that you kind of know just how to do it you know how to like throw it over your shoulder run set it up how to get it angled how to get them to look at you but it's a perfect shot in the camera but you're not behind the camera it's a whole whole thing
1: i can't believe that
0: yeah and then i was also pretty lucky to um well being in la it's such a Media industry, uh, media town. So I know people that can shoot and you have, they can shoot stuff for you if you really need. For this, I definitely needed a a shooter because I had to be using the T and a little more of a, a walking, playful feel. So
1: so you in good faith did all of this assuming someone would buy it at this point you have no income from this so let's say maybe you even like hired you paid someone to film this for you so let's say you pay someone to film it for like a couple hundred bucks or something now you're hoping that you can sell this for more than it's taken you like time and money wise to make this thing
0: yeah and to be honest though it's not even really a money thing it's it's to be a, a sports reporter and to be a freelance reporter, this whole new venture that I'm in and I have so much respect for, it's not really about a money thing. It's about being able to get a good story and get it to somebody that's going to recognize that the hustle you just did and it's, for them maybe giving you a job. So it's not always – money oh, is wow. the second – and maybe it might just be me, but money is definitely the the second thought of getting a story before the first thought. My first thought is like, this is a good story. No one else has it. And I just got this from another gig that I had. So So
1: almost like better than doing an interview or, or a way to like potentially, yeah, have them as a future employer.
0: Yeah, exactly. So say then I send that to like a Fox Sports and then they run it and then they will contact me again saying like, hey, we'd love you to cover this or hey, do you have any ideas about this or we're coming into baseball season. We're coming to this season. Do you know anything? So they will then continue to want to use you.
1: Okay, right. So it allows well, you to still be freelance. It's not like you're lo- necessarily looking to get like hired by these people full time, but you're looking for them to want to continue using your freelance work.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it, like I said, it's a whole new. It's a whole new world. It's definitely something very new that my that is out there. And it also there's pros and cons. Like I've definitely had the very steady working for a station working for a an organization and then i was only able to work for them or work for a certain sport and being a freelance you have the opportunity to kind of work for everyone and do every sport but then that consistency isn't there so there's pros and cons but it's just all about how hard you're really wanting to hustle and if you really want to do it and if and for me the main reason is because i want to stay local i don't want to um I don't want to travel or live in another city. Like I've been my whole career.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, but, go, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, yeah, but it, it's like an interesting aspect of it all is being able to like this year, being able to cover the SBs, the um, all-star game in San Diego for baseball, and then coming up, being able to cover the super bowl. And that's all just from networking and freelancing and being able to not be tied down by one contract.
1: So let's talk a little bit more about this whole job of freelancing. So what would you say is the most important aspect of your job? Um, would it be like networking, researching, um, like just general hustling, like you said, uh, like doing the actual interview and like working on your interview skills or uh it, it, like so for A, what would you say, I guess, is the most important thing for you to be doing and most important thing to do well? And then what... To actually takes the most of amount of your time and is that like different from what you would consider the most important thing
0: well i personally i think the most important is coming from something that is so consistent you don't realize that reporting like anchoring interviewing and writing every single day how much how um how much quicker you're getting or how it's just second nature and it's just be, you get so much better at it And when you stop that and you go into something like freelancing and it's not as consistent, to me personally, it's so important to make sure you're still doing that every single day so you don't lose, like you don't use it, you lose it. And you become slower at writing a story. Um, So for me, it's like waking up, like I said, looking at the stories of the day and I will say, I'll read a story and then I will write it, rewrite it myself and I'll write a shorter script of it. I'll write... Maybe I read a story and then I write a 30-second version of it really fast to myself Hmm. just so I know that I can still – I'm still pretty quick at writing and my writing is – you don't want to lose that. And then also I – after I'm done with that, I go into – on the computer, you can do like teleprompter.com. And it's like a free teleprompter and you put it in and then I read it because the one thing that is so hard to make sure it feels very natural is to – Anchor unless you're continuing to do it every day. Reading a teleprompter can slowly get robotic, and you can lose that naturalness to it if you're yeah, not. Yeah, for
1: sure, that makes so much sense.
0: So it's, it's so for me, it's really important to, like I said, write it, throw it in a teleprompter on the computer, go through it, and then and then start the whole day of okay, now what what kind of work who needs something what can I do what have I set up and then it's it's the hustle. (laughs) So I, like I, the most important part to me is just trying to make sure that you are harnessing your craft and you're still working at it and you're not, um, you're not losing it. And then the part that consumes my time the most, um, I guess I would just say just the whole aspect of finding the right fit, finding the right job. Yeah. You want work and freelance and you want to make sure you're working all the time, but you also don't want to, just do something for a small paycheck that isn't really your, I hate using this word, but really isn't your brand. Like writing for a website that is a little more, I don't know, a little more provocative than something I would want to write or I would ever put in my resume. Um. So yeah, it's and then the consuming part would definitely be making sure you're finding the right jobs that you actually want to to do or put your name on.
1: Right. Yeah, man, that's such a good point. Um what, in your opinion, Angela, makes for a good interview, and is it a a different thing do you think in the sports world than it is in just the regular news world?
0: oh that's such a good question Well that question's a good question um, <laughs> because I think the art of interviewing is such a beautiful, delicate balance that you can do with um really getting somebody to open up, and I think it's a it's a talent and I like to think that I can really make somebody feel comfortable enough to really want to talk to me. Um, and I, I I think that what makes a really good interview, both sports and just in general is somebody that's actually can really care and is listening. You can tell when you ask a question, somebody answers it and your next question has nothing to do with the previous question and they gave you something like they literally set you up for the perfect question next that you never would have thought of and you just didn't hear it because you were so much in your into your head about what you're gonna ask next.
1: yeah absolutely
0: and it's just like you have to truly care about what you're asking because everyone has a story even if they don't think they do everyone does you just have to be willing to listen
1: Yeah, that's so true. And it's like, it's so much, I guess, uh, easier said than done. It's, um, (laughs) it's something that, like, I, I strive to be connected with the person and ready for, um, like ready to be able to ask a question based off of what they're talking about right now. But as you know, it's, it's also very hard because you, you don't know if they are going to give you anything. So then you also want to be ready for like, okay, if they finish and when they finish, they don't really give me any, you know, it's like their, their statement just ends and it doesn't really lead anywhere. And so now I need to be ready to ask a question. So it's almost like the, let's say the person's talking for two minutes Every like thirty seconds during that two minutes, you're kind of formulating a new thesis in your head of like, okay, here's where I could go right now. <laughs> if like if they were to stop talking right now, this is where I maybe go. And if they were to stop talking right now, this is where I would maybe go. <laughs> and you keep on having to check in with yourself, all the meanwhile, they're talking, and any any amount of that thinking that you're doing in your head, you're like you said, you're ignoring them. And um it's a difficult thing when and, and this happened just recently on this interview which is so funny that you just brought this up like a couple questions ago where i ended up doing like a robotic transition to something else (laughs) where like you don't know sometimes how long the person's going to be talking for and maybe you think it's going to be for longer so you're like oh okay and you're just kind of listening and then it just finishes and then you're like oh shit i need to like <laughs> <make> transition <laughs> right now and you're like not really ready for it uh yeah there's like so many difficult and and interesting things to that it's uh there's there's kind of the option i guess of like playing it safe and of just uh let's say no like making all the questions ahead of time and knowing all your transitions that you're going to be making yourself therefore it is fully irrelevant what the other person says you know you're going to make all your own transitions but let's say then all of your own transitions are like a seven out of ten or something and then like you said like they give you this layup that's like perfect and something that they said and it would be like a 10 out of 10 you know um but if you're always waiting for that 10 out of 10, then maybe sometimes you end up, you know, just falling on your face and only doing like a four out of 10. And meanwhile, you could have played it safe and just had consistent seven out of 10s. Does all that yeah. make sense? I don't know. It's like, it's, it's, it it's such an interesting balance that you're trying to make in your brain like during the entire time.
0: But definitely to me, it makes a lot of sense because it's this balance that you're playing of uh, your, it's multi multitasking just in your brain though so you are a crazy person on the inside but you're trying to make sure the person you're talking to especially in a face-to-face interview that they know that you're listening but in your head you're like thinking okay i can go this way i can go this way i'm listening to this it's multitasking yeah full throttle but you're right like you can't miss those layups and you can't miss that dunk you have to make sure that when it's kind of almost like this sounds so horrible to say but Selective hearing in a sense of like there's these keywords that might like pop up that you're talking about, I don't know, you're you're talking about, let's say you're interviewing like a chef, and then the chef says something completely different about like eh, but my financial problems and something. And mean that obviously is gonna set something off in your head like financial problems. Like we were talking about this souffle. And then so you want to go that way because they you didn't even see it going that way. Right. So you kind of almost have to have this sensor on to like hearing some words that might pique an interest and draw your attention yeah um
1: and all the meanwhile yeah, like you said you're trying to have a genuine contact with this person so that they don't just feel like you're an asshole or feel like you know <laughs> that you're ignoring them you know and meanwhile all these things are going on in your head it's uh <laughs> totally.
0: it's definitely like i said the the main the main goal of it all is just to truly be interested in who you're interviewing and really wanting to know that story because that's going to be the main thing that comes across. Not every single question that you ask, if you're asking it with like sincere curiosity and you really, truly care, then that's what's going to come across. It's going to come definitely way less robotic than you might feel it does.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Let's see here. We talked about kind of what makes a good interview, what makes some good questions and stuff like that. What in your mind makes for bad questions or i guess and also particularly in sports reporting are there any questions that you kind of aren't supposed to ask that it's just like taboo in the sports world like i uh, you know that's just kind of a bad question to ask
0: um yes and no i think we kind of touched on it a bit like bad questions would be those super safe ones of you guys weren't performing that great in the first half what are you going to do in the second half.
1: and yet these freaking nationally <laughs> televised like people are asking these questions i don't know like i need to go and get a job for nbc or something tomorrow like i don't know what is going on on like espn and these like these people that have like multi-million dollar contracts and are at the top the quote-unquote top of their game and like that's the questions that they're asking it's unthinkable I, I, oh
0: yeah that definitely pains the soul a little bit but that's when you get into your, well, that's when you get a little too comfortable. You can, it's definitely great to be comfortable in um, your role and as a sports reporter, but to get a little too comfortable isn't that great because you're not being creative. You're not really pushing yourself to ask. You're not really thinking about what the viewer really wants to hear, what they want. You're doing a job for them, the viewers, in the sense of they're watching the game. You want to answer what they're thinking, right. what they just witnessed. So,
1: and if you're not going to do that, then you should ask something that they would have never thought exactly. to ask ever. I,
0: exactly something I, that they can't even see. They wouldn't even know what's going on.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. There's a lot of people that I like that I feel like are very good at, um, kind of asking the questions that i would want to ask if i was in a particular situation and like those are the podcasts that i listen to or those are the people that i follow or whatever where it's like okay i know that they're going to ask the questions that i will want to ask um there are very few people, and I think that that's like what Howard Stern made an entire career on is like mm-hmm. asking questions that nobody else would ever think to ask questions like that. And it's, you know, unfortunate that someone like him just has this reputation as like a shock jock or this or that. But any of the people that actually listen to him, which is millions of people. So clearly his reputation is more than just that. But any of those millions of people that listen to him don't listen to him because, oh, what's the next shocking thing he's going to say? And it's not, oh, because he's going to interview lady gaga and when he does it he's going to ask her all the questions that i always wanted to ask lady gaga it's like no he's going to talk to lady gaga for like two hours and maybe one of the questions out of like the 60 are going to be something that i ever would have thought to ask her before you know and uh it's interesting that there is not more people like that and it's, it's particularly in sports it's interesting that there's not more again just like a sideline person that asks something where you're like whoa dude like i would definitely have not thought to ask that but i am so happy that that person just asked steve Kerr that question you know um,
0: it, it, it depends on um it also depends this it's sound funny but it depends on the location too like if you're on if you're court side and you're getting that quick interview with the coach you're not going to ask not every time I'm going to ask the exact same question you would ask in the locker room or in a press conference, um, because they're different environments. So I can kind of play a little devil's advocate for the, um, the reporter on the sideline that's asking coach you first half. This is, you guys weren't performing very well. What do you can do for the second half? Because they're kind of in a sense of urgency. Give me a short answer. Um, what it's, are we It's probably contracted to
1: like next. 30 minutes or something. I'm sorry, 30 seconds or something like that. And then right. the coach is allowed to leave.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so you kind of want to like kind of turn and burn it. Like, okay, go. Yeah. Get it. You uh, can't you got just got walk
1: it. up and be like, what's your relationship with your mom like? And they're just like, yeah. <laughs> fuck, dude, how much <laughs> exactly. time do you got?
0: Exactly. yeah, right. Exactly. But in those uh locker room settings, in I feel like even more in the locker room settings, you have a little more leeway than you do even in a press conference because you're sitting in a room that's a lot smaller than I probably think a lot of people would think of. And you kind of just wait your turn then to ask your question and the player will answer it or won't answer it because there's a ton of cameras on them from not just your network, but from everyone's networks and even just um, writers as well. They have their recorders that were recording it and they're a little more, as I say, they're, they're working. They have their work face on. But sometimes you can catch them in the locker room with not their work face on. They'll actually answer an interesting question for you. They will um, give you a lot more because they're a little bit more comfortable. So there's kind of a time and a place for certain questions. And it's based on the relationship that you created with that player. You ask, like, what what's taboo, what you shouldn't ask? And it's kind of just depending on what reporter you want to be. Do you want to be the, re- the gotcha reporter and the reporter that is it, ask the question to a player that's always going to kind of get them and catch them off guard. And that's kind of a little bit of some slippery It's slippery slip there because maybe they won't want to talk to you next time. They'll avoid you. Um, Yeah, it's, it's a little bit, it's a lot of uh, the reporter's judgment, but then also you have to think of the network or the station or the um, online publication that you're, you are representing.
1: It's very frustrating where we are at is a society with what we allow and how vanilla we need things to be like. <laughs> and, you know, that these athletes from the time that they're in college are getting coached through how to speak oh. to media and how to not speak to media um, because of the fact that if they slip up and they say the wrong thing, it's like they could actually, especially like when they're still in college, they could cost themselves a draft position or something like that and therefore potentially like, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And if they're a pro, it's like, you know, you're going to be on the front page of this thing just because you shared your mind. And it's like, the, what we should be asking these people to do is share their mind, you know? And it's unfortunate that we are putting them in a position where they feel like they can't do that. And likewise, it's, um, yeah, it's just funny the way that we brand certain people. Like, uh, you know, I just brought up Howard Stern, like one of my favorite podcasts is, uh, Bill Simmons and like, I love Bill Simmons and I love Bill Simmons like back when he worked for ESPN. And it is so interesting. Like I heard so many people around the time that he got suspended from ESPN. He got suspended basically because of an episode of his podcast that I listened to that got pulled the next day. Like luckily I listened to it the day that it was on, but he ended up getting suspended because he made some bad comments about Roger Goodell. And he was just saying like it was when the Ray Rice video came out. And he was saying, like, there's no way that Roger Goodell did not know about this Ray Rice video. Oh. There is there is a 0% chance. Because, like, what, what Roger Goodell and the NFL tried to say is that Roger Goodell's people knew about that video of Ray Rice hitting his wife in the face. But that roger goodell didn't know about it and it's like let me get this straight this is one of your superstars in your league and this is basically literally exactly what he said in the thing is like let me get this straight like this is one of the superstars in your league and one of your top brass people that you have working for you just saw a video of him punching his wife in the face and that person didn't bring it to your attention like you mean to say that no one told you that this video came up until two weeks after the fact and and everybody after the after that was always trying to like talk about how oh bill simmons like the bad boy of sports oh he's such a bad boy it's like bad boy this and it's like what exactly about that is being a bad boy? Like, I don't understand. Like, the idea that, that he, like, said what needed to be said, like, said an actual real thing, you know, that he didn't sit there and say, so, how are you going to improve in the second half? It's like, okay, <clears throat> so you, you say a legitimate comment about a real thing that happened, and all of a sudden you, you get, uh, like, to some, in some circles, like, vilified, in, in others, it just like, you know, uh, Colored is this like totally out there fringe reporter, and it's like, is it really that fringe to ask these questions? And isn't that what we should be wanting our reporters to do is to ask these questions? Um, it's uh, interesting.
0: Well, and and I like go into almost interrupting you because it definitely is something that bugs the crap out of me, like, especially that when that whole situation happened. I'm very much on your side about how those are the questions and those are the things we should be saying. I will say something that really blew me away is kind of the turn. Yes. Well, I'll just go with this thought. It's kind of the turn, um, certain media outlets or shows, um, where they took and they took a stand. Some people will just like kind of not really touch on it or just give the facts. But, um, I don't know if you know, Katie Nolan on Fox sports. She has her own show. It's called Garbage Time, but it started out as um, online videos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she voices her opinion. And she voices her opinion as a woman sports reporter and how females, and well, just female uh, sports fans, how they should really examine being football fans and how that league is looking out for women. And it was very much her opinion, definitely not what a lot of people were talking about and saying how the NFL should be disgusted with themselves and Roger could sell this and just all these, a lot. what a lot of people were thinking, but yes. she was actually a public figure and she's representing Fox Sports. And I just thought that that was huge, huge that they were letting her do this. They de- She said on on her little video that, They're going to be watching this. They're going to go through it a billion times and they're going to make sure that they will approve of actually posting this, but they did and they did post it. So I think we're getting into this area now where sports reporters can have an opinion. Maybe that's not a popular opinion, but they're able to have a voice and it's not for every network. It's not for every situation, but I, and with these podcasts now too, you can, um, that's a whole nother way of reporting. Um, but slowly, but surely I'm with faith that we're taking that turn and we're actually being able to, to be a little more ourselves. And I, and I think that it's also really huge for women too, because just from that Kitty Nolan voicing her opinion, now she has her show on Fox sports after the fact they green lighted, gave her the green light for, um, having her show actually on the air. And she's very much vocalizing her opinion. And it's not always the, um, most popular <laughs> opinion. And uh, yeah, so I, I, there's, I have faith. I That's have great. Faith that yeah. little more ourselves and have more of an opinion and ask those risky questions.
1: Uh, let's go ahead and start winding this thing down, Angela. So first of all, I would love to know the pay for sort of different jobs in the industry or different brackets of jobs. So first, I guess I would imagine that probably like 98% of the people in your industry get paid in the same like ballpark of money and let's say that's like everyone doing regular local jobs or like working on websites or this or that and then maybe there's like a one percent of people that are like my dudes that i love that cover the warriors and they do play-by-play and the color announcer guy that have like a specific team so like the the guys that call every patriots game or the guys that call every warriors game or the guys that call every giants game and like they probably get a little bit more money than everybody else because it's like they're iconic you know depending on how long they've been there and what the team is or whatever it is and then there's probably right. another echelon above them which is if you become like aaron andrews or if you become like what you know Stuart scott or like scott van pelt or something like that who you are a household name and you are nationally um recognized um like i guess would those really be kind of like the three major brackets? And then what would the pay jumps be going into those different brackets?
0: Yeah. So local news, you're starting out, like your first job is starting out probably um in a smaller dem- a smaller market, and that's probably like twenty twenty five, and that can get as high as two sixty um sixty thousand a year. Uh, that's kind of like local news around that area. Um, and then you go into play by plays reporters for teams. You're looking more around, I'd say like a hundred thousand ballpark or maybe even a little more. You could, it probably, I would say actually would go from like 60,000 to a hundred around there. Um, do you think that if
1: like the people that are, local um but that are really 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 famous um like what's the dude's i'm somehow blanking on his name but the dude that is just finishing up now for the dodgers is it vince scully or
0: uh, oh yeah
1: yeah so like if you're someone like that do they start because you know you're famous and you're old and you've been here forever do they start to pay you more money do you think or is it like Look, the whole reason that you're here, like, where else are you going to go? And the whole reason that you're here is because you love your job. So we're just going to keep paying you what we always paid you. Or is it like you're a national treasure? We're going to pay you like a half million dollars a year now or something.
0: Well, it's the whole thing about making like working your way up. That's why for local news, you get paid like twenty five thousand starting out is pretty high for a lot of these local sports reporting or reporting jobs. But if you are Vin Scully, you've been doing it for so many years, you're definitely gonna get paid. No one else can do your job. You can do it with the way that he has done it. So he's definitely. I don't want to. I'm ballparking. I'm no Vin Scully, but he has to be getting at least five hundred thousand a year. And you have a lot of these big names, like network wise, like an Aaron Andrews. They're making, a, actually, a lot of those um, bigger names are making like one to two million easily. So it's kind of it's a little bit about, well, it's not a little bit. It's a lot about your experience and a lot about your name, but then it also depends on the team you're playing or you're reporting for or doing play by play for. So your guys for the, the warriors are definitely going to be making more around the 500,000. And then say if it was a small, a small team, not as big as the warriors, something that's maybe not even in, in the NBA. It's, definitely going to be a lot less so it's a lot of factors come into play um definitely try to ballpark it for everyone listening but you could if you pretty much can kind of guess um a bigger network you get to you're going to be seeing 500 to million easily in a lot of these um reporters and definitely a lot of the uh, well-known names for sure
1: so angela how do you become aaron andrews
0: (laughs) you don't give up um yeah, you gotta just really, I have even said this from like going into just a news role. You cannot, you have to want it. You have to want to go through the, the jumps of becoming super tired, <laughs> becoming very worn down. You have to go through the highs of being with a great network. And then the next, they don't renew your contract and you are now in a, local news place or now you're freelancing like you have to really want it and continue to go and continue to keep pushing and continue to work on your craft because someone's ready to steal your job somebody's ready to put in the work and there's definitely every year new and aspiring reporters graduating from college that are willing to take your jobs so
1: totally there's got to be some uh Some level that sideline reporting and you know like what Aaron Andrews does can get to that like we just don't really know about yet and and we need to work on and then you and I could be like the next level of those people you know and like we could be the next Aaron Andrews because it's interesting that like now thinking about it it, at first I was thinking of Scott Van Pelt but actually a lot of those dudes on ESPN that are just their anchors but particularly Scott Van Pelt and that's why he is you know who he is is you can see it when you're watching him like the command that he has of his show is very, 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 very strong, you know? And and the way that he talks and operates and controls everything is awesome. And uh and when you hear like Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth talking, they're both very, very good at what they do. You know, it's like, okay, there's probably not a lot of people that have your chops that can be doing what you're doing right now. And uh certainly like Stuart Scott was that way, like you said. Um, But man, I feel like there's like no one like that on the sidelines. Like, there's like no one that I'm like, whoa, I could never do what you just did. But when I watch Scott Van Pelt, I'm like, dude, that dude's in another league. Like, I could not do that.
0: I agree. And you touched on it. It's all about making, I've been asked that question so many times in different interviews. What makes you different? What kind of reporter are you? Because they're looking for that. They're looking for somebody that is someone's going to watch them she definitely should be doing that job. You never want somebody to be watching you like, I can definitely do what she's doing. I can. (laughs) Yeah. Like like, when you're saying you hear that question, a very vanilla safe question, you're like, I could have asked a better question than that. You don't want anyone to ever, any reporter doesn't want anyone to watch them and think that because that means you're not doing the best job you could do. And again, you're not pushing yourself hard enough and somebody would definitely be willing to swoop on in and take that job. Swoop it. And Swoop it, and also like I was just thinking about this when you were asking, um like how do you really get to that level of an Aaron Andrews and good on her for her being the the I guess the um uh, comparison you know like that's kind of like the you made it Aaron Andrews kind of comparison yeah um, for sure she she even said in an interview how it's weird for her to be the the um com- not comparison but like a comparison like it's like oh, you're kind of like an Aaron Andrews anyway, I digress. Um, so many different avenues. There's so many different avenues now than when I first started reporting to become a reporter. It's not having to do the small market jump to a bigger jump from local news to a network. You can create a YouTube channel and just talk for 30 seconds about the most popular sports stories, or you can do a Snapchat video and it's about all the stories that were the night before of sports. And then you get more people to view and then you become a go-to for sports news. And then you get that a show that this is kind of like what Katie Nolan did. She was doing, um, it's called guyism. It was a guyism.com. And she was just talking really funny banter about sports and guy things. And then Fox sports noticed it. And then it became a YouTube channel. And then it became a show. She didn't have to do the whole, market jumps and doing quote unquote her time, but she's definitely credible because she has a certain, um, a certain voice, a different voice for sports. That's not out there. And you can tell like, I can't do that job. I'm definitely not funny like that. And I can't tell sports stories in that manner or in that way. So I think the to even think about like, how would I tell somebody how they can get into this job? It's so different now so many different avenues to becoming the next Aaron Andrews. It's just being true to, I hate this word, but I'm going to say it again, being true to being true to the brand you want to represent and the reporter you want to be.
1: Angela, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking so much time. And, uh, and yeah, it's been a real pleasure. I love watching sports and, uh, and like listening to sports stuff and reading sports stuff and everything. So it's so interesting to learn how it's all done.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I hope I didn't chatter too much and give you a little some good insight because we can talk about this forever. I can, I can talk to you and I can start interviewing you too because I really <laughs> I like to talk. <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure. All right. Thanks, Angela.
0: <laughs> thanks, Blake.
1: Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode with Angela. Don't forget to head to the Half Hour Intern site where you can still vote for your favorite episode of 2016 for the Half Hour Intern Awards. That is it. Halfhourintern.com and there's a link right there on the homepage.